Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. If the recent Oscars showed anything and a parade of commentators decided it did, it was that just about all bets are off now. The Black Lives Matter and Time's Up movements took credit for the far bigger representation of women and minorities among the nominees. But other changes were happening as well. Minery showed that American films no longer had to be in American. Netflix seems to have cured their fear of subtitles. Old people mattered this time too. Three of the four Best Actor winners were over 65. And the number of women directors among the nominees encouraged us to think that soon the gender of a filmmaker will be no more important than where they come from. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. It's like a pipe dream. This is the dream. It's conflict and it's compromise. It's very, very exciting. It's surprising that the nationality of Oscar-winning directors isn't more newsworthy. In the last 10 years, only one American-born director has picked up the award, Damien Chazelle for La La Land in 2016. The rest came from France, Taiwan, Korea, and this year Chinese-born Chloe Zhao. The other five were shared among three Mexicans, Alejandro Inarritu, Alfonso Cuaron and Guillermo del Toro. You may think... That thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. The fact is, these wins went to talented individuals, not to representatives of a nation, a gender or anything else. Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water owed as much to his love of trashy Hollywood B-movies as to his Mexican background. One thing missing at these Oscars, though, was old-fashioned showbiz and razzmatazz. For instance, most of the nominated films did quite nicely, thank you, without the need for actual movie stars. Every week... I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. Okay? Kerry Mulligan, Francis McDormand, Anthony Hopkins, even Eddie Redmayne and Gary Oldman, they're all very good actors rather than A-list celebrities, none of whom featured in any films on offer this year. No wonder the ratings of the Oscars dropped like a stone. I had one line! I forgot it. But don't worry. This is going to be easy. For you, maybe. Not for me. I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star. But the Hollywood dream machine is big enough and greedy enough to take care of its own problems. Expect to see the return of big names and business as usual before the end of the year. 
This week, though, three films whose creators leave their own distinctive fingerprints on them, like Western revisionist Kelly Reichardt's First Cow. It's not good here, Cookie. It's not safe. We have to go. Get away from here. Reichardt made her name with a small feminist western called Meek's Cut-Off a few years ago. First Cow, as the name suggests, is about the American West before the cowboy, or the cow. Equally distinctive is the partnership between two action Brits, star Jason Statham and director Guy Ritchie. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. Why am I full of putting pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? Wrath of Man is almost a comic parody of toxic masculinity, though it's told, as far as I can tell, dead straight. But first, a twist on the old Man Alone in the Wilderness plot. From star and first-time feature film director Robin Wright, Land. How did you find me? You were in my path. For filmgoers of a certain vintage, Robin Wright will forever be fixed in our memories as Princess Buttercup in the fairy tale The Princess Bride. For more recent fans of dark political intrigue, she was the Lady Macbeth of the TV series House of Cards. It was that film that allowed her to follow her dream, directing several episodes, which led to the film Land. Edie, how are you feeling right now? What are you feeling? Bad past experiences have led me to approach a movie star's debut as a director with some caution. But Robin Wright is no dabbler with a vanity project. Land is the real deal. We meet Edie, played by Robin, at her lowest ebb. After an undisclosed family tragedy, she's cut herself off from anyone who could help her. Clearly, therapy isn't doing any good either. But it's really difficult to be around people because they just want me to be better. So you're not able to share what you're feeling with other people. Edie decides, as many Americans have before her, to go back to the land, to the most remote part of Wyoming with the bare minimum of supplies. She rents a mountain shack up in the hills and tells her guide to leave her alone. She doesn't even want the car that drove her there. It's pretty country, ain't it? Tribal lands. It's not a good idea to be out here without a vehicle. I'll be fine. Is Edie's plan to make a new life in the wilderness? She certainly doesn't seem to have much aptitude for it. All it's going to take is one thing to go wrong, like a giant grizzly bear trashing her belongings, say, and she's going to be in big trouble. You said your family was from the city. And the first half hour of Land maps this ominous setup brilliantly with virtually no dialogue. When the fire goes out, the last tin of beans is consumed and Edie lies down for the last time. We have to assume the worst. But she gets an unexpected second chance. Do you know how lucky you've been? You would have died if it weren't for Miguel. If he hadn't found you... 
didn't call me. She wakes to find herself pulled back from the brink by a nurse called Alawa and a hunter called Miguel, though Edie doesn't seem particularly grateful to have been rescued. You know, one might wonder how someone like you came to be in this place. I'm not running from anyone. I'm not hiding. I'm here because I choose to be. Land is a story that continually wrong-foots you. Edie argues with her saviours until finally the unfortunate frontierswoman grudgingly agrees to let Miguel teach her some survival skills. If it's all right, I will teach you how to trap, how to fall, to hunt, and then you won't see me anymore. Can we agree that you not bring any news of life elsewhere? What if aliens land here? But who's saving who? Edie is certainly haunted by ghosts. We see them too when she lets her guard down. But Miguel has family secrets of his own, and as he works to give Edie an investment in the future, we wonder what drove him to this solitary life. Do you have family? My wife and my daughter were killed in a car accident. Land is a cunningly devised story. Robin Wright didn't write it, but her fingerprints are all over the story and how it's performed. The character of Edie is so deliberately cut off from everyone, even Miguel and Aloha, that the fact that we like her so much with so little backstory to go on for much of the movie is a little miracle of acting and direction. I understand it might be a little rough for you here. But if you feel you don't belong here, then... If I don't belong here, I don't belong anywhere. The slow thawing of her relationship with Miguel, played by Demian Bashir, is beautifully judged too. Land is a film that gets better as it goes on. Each time you think you know where it's going, that story is replaced by something better. You ever get lonely out here? I know I'd be more lonely there than here. My niece proved this. From my hermit friend who lives in the mountains. Hollywood is littered with actors who leapt at the chance to direct, only to give up after one or two films. I hope that's not the case with Robin Wright, who shows real talent in land, not least by keeping it succinct. It comes in at just under an hour and a half, a minor miracle in these inflated times. Come tell me about your family. Have you thought about what you want your life to be now? Director Kelly Reichard opens her western first cow on the banks of a river. It's modern-day Oregon. A woman is walking her dog, and the dog finds the shallow grave of two long-dead bodies. Cut to 200 years earlier and a man nervously hunting for mushrooms. It's dangerous in the Old West. Who's there? Hello? You all right? Hungry. He's the cook for a party of fur trappers and it's the job of the cook to find food. He stumbles on a naked Chinese man on the run from a group of angry Russian miners. Welcome to the reality of American frontier life. The two men introduce themselves. What's your name? King Lu. The 
call me Cookie. Cookie manages to clothe and feed King Lou and then safely smuggles him to safety. Months later, the two meet up again at a rundown settlement by a trading post. The two friends now have to think about making a living. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stopped moving. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. The trading post is run by the chief factor, the rather surprising presence of Englishman Toby Jones. Business is good, so good that he's imported a luxury item, a dairy cow. You have a cow? First cow in the territory. Same place for cows. Well, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. The two men are intrigued. Cookie says that milk is the one thing he needs to create some delicious honey-flavoured hotcakes. They decide it's worth a risk to visit the factor's cow at midnight and steal just enough milk. The next day they open for business and the hotcakes sell, well, like hotcakes. Good Lord, give me another... I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. It's the story of the American dream reduced to its bare essentials. They have the idea, they have the customers, they have everything except their own cow. So, like many businesses, the best way to get by is with a little larceny. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. It seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? The story of First Cow ostensibly follows the progress of our two entrepreneurs. But along the way, as in all great westerns, it's the subsidiary characters and themes that catch the eye as well. Unlike the traditional western, which writer-director Kelly Reichardt amusingly dismisses as a gunfight waiting to happen, First Cow is as much about survival in the wilderness as it is the approaching danger for our two heroes. A royal cow. Until she barely produces a thing. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. Let's hope he's one of those. The European inhabitants of the settlement are almost entirely men struggling to make their pile before returning to civilization. Unlikely faces pop up. Apart from Toby Jones, we glimpse veteran TV actor, the late René Aubergenois, and Scotsman Ewan Bremner. You've got a window here, Cookie. History isn't here yet. It's coming, but maybe this time we can take it on our own terms. It reminds us that the early frontier of the United States was very much based on male friendship, as it was in Australia and New Zealand, of course. You relied on your mates, as Cookie and King Lou do, or you won't get very far out there. There's a telling quote at the start of the film from the poet William Blake. The bird, a nest. The spider, a web. Man, friendship. There are uh, some men chasing me. This is a land of riches, I tell you. First Cow is undoubtedly slow and occasionally meandering. It's also an extraordinarily rich source of insight into how the West really was won. It's not the conquering of land that builds a nation. It's what you do with it and who you allow to share in it. A rewarding film if you're not in any particular hurry. 
And the cast cookie. Stay away! We have to make our own way. The allure of action man Jason Statham is something of a mystery to me. It's not as if he's got any range to speak of or shows an interest in getting any. I always assumed the Stath aimed mostly at small boys of all ages, but to my surprise there seem to be quite a few women in his fan club, all keen to see him do what he does. You ain't much for talking, are you, Mary Poppins? Oh, no, I can talk. I just don't want to talk to you. Let me buy you a beer. Just make sure you drink it over there. What he does mostly involves taking out people, and in one instance large sharks, with extreme prejudice. In the past he made some effort to show that beneath the rough diamond exterior beat a heart of gold. Not this time. Today the Stath is exhibiting Wrath of Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new addition. H. Portico Security specialised in cash trucks across L.A. Statham plays H, a man of mystery who we meet applying for a job driving armoured vans. He's greeted by the boss, Eddie Marson, of all people. It's clearly hire a short limey week at Hollywood. H shows his skills at the gym and the firing range and squeaks in with a just above average score. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some idea, yeah. We ain't the predators, we're the prey. Well, we don't need to see the Stath's secret smirk to realise he's hiding his light under a bushel. H is here for his own secret purposes, and it's just a matter of time before we find out what they are. I'm guessing they'll involve taking hoodlums out with extreme prejudice. In fact, here come some now. It's a ten grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious! Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time! Sorry, pal. It's a gang of would-be armoured van robbers led by a curiously tattooed pop star called Post Malone. Still, don't get too used to him, because H's idea of protecting the company's property is, you've guessed it, shooting first and not bothering to ask any questions afterwards. His colleagues are puzzled. Who knew H was suddenly such a deadly shot? Clearly there's more to him than meets the eye. Actually, we could have told them that. Then director Guy Ritchie steps up to show what he can do. Flashback, anyone? It's like he wants trucks to get hit. He's not a cop. But if he's not a cop, what is he? A while back, we lost two guards. A civilian, too. There was an investigation. They still haven't found the scum who did it. In fact, Wrath of Man, my pick for the silliest film title so far this year, anyway, it had already opened with what we screenwriting buffs call the inciting incident. In this case, a big violent heist in which the two drivers are shot and so was an innocent bystander. The innocent bystander's name was Dougie and he was the son of H. You were in an accident. You're my son. He didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> 
At this stage, we start to suspect that H may be, I don't know, a retired CIA guy with a special set of skills, blah, blah, blah. But professional violence purveyor Guy Ritchie has no interest in a nuanced character like that. He simply makes H a homicidal gangster and someone's just lit his fuse. I need to know who killed my son. The tree has been shook, and it's been shook hard. We've scorched earth. Flash forward, the action of Wrath of Man whizzes backwards and forwards from now on like a ping-pong ball to H rounding up the usual suspects with his loyal gang. You want torture porn? Well, even if you don't, here it is. You started by saying you'd do anything. What I'm hearing is, you think you've done everything. I can see it's going to be a long night. After running through and running out of professional bad guys, H decides it was an inside job all along, which is why he's gone undercover as a humble armoured van driver. We've deployed large amounts of time, money and effort. In the search for justice. Not good enough. Now all H has to do is attract the original heisters, the ones who killed Dougie. Got it? It's not particularly complicated, but we do need to find the gang of robbers in question. And Guy Ritchie seems incapable of weaving this bit into the story. So he simply flashes back, finds them, and follows them around for quite a while. It's got to be an inside job. in two weeks. You want to wish you could do in 20 years. It's usually considered a little unprofessional in a thriller to abandon the main character for 20 minutes or so, but Richie doesn't appear bothered. He simply covers this deficiency with lots of shooting, blood and car-based mayhem. We need to understand resourceful and serious I am. I do bear a grudge. At the end, there's a last man standing. No prizes for guessing who that is in Wrath of Man. It pretty much delivers what's expected by anyone who went to the box office and said, two tickets to the staith, please, and a giant bucket of popcorn. Empty calories, in other words. But sometimes audiences don't live on improving fare alone. Sometimes the answer is Jason Statham. And as we puzzle over what the question is, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.